Hey, my name is Sam Young. Um, if you don't know me, I'm the campus minister here at Johnson Street. I am, um, I'm honored to be here. Scott, our senior minister, is out on sabbatical for the next several weeks. And about two months ago, he asked me if I would preach a three-week sermon series, which if you know me, I've got an interesting relationship with preaching. I, I will tell you now, I am no longer going to stand behind this. I'm not a preacher thing. You can tell me I'm a preacher, and that's fine. Uh, but I do like doing campus ministry. I'm going to stick with it for a little bit. But I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit today about um, spiritual practices, something that for many years I have had the chance of leading college students through this conversation. Um, I've done it back in Lubbock uh, a number of years, and in fact, over the last six, uh, six months, we, we actually took our college ministry Rams for Christ through a six-week study on spiritual practices. So something that I'm really passionate about and I'm really excited to do, and over the next three weeks, what I hope I can do is challenge you as a church to maybe see some of these practices a little differently. Uh, Because at the end of the day, um, what I'm going to stand behind, hopefully, is that we all agree that our lives should look different now than before we followed Jesus. Amen? So, So what we do has to change as soon as we follow Jesus. The way we live our lives, what we do, changes, and spiritual practices are just a part of that. I also want to say a huge thanks to New Rain. Um, it is also a blessing to have you guys, just a, a great group of college kids and an awesome Jeff, um, leading us in worship today, so thank you for being here. Um, yes, and, and in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to talk about worship as a practice, which I'm a little sad that I didn't just switch it around and talk about it today, um, but worship is a practice that, that we will do. So I'm going to lay out a little bit what the next three weeks are going to look like, specifically this week and then, and then moving forward, kind of what you can expect. One, this week, we're going to talk about what I'm calling inward practices. So what are some things that you as an individual will do um, to draw closer to God? Uh, next week, we're going to talk about something called outward practices. So what are some things that you as an individual will do to the world around you? that will draw you closer to God. And then finally, uh, in, in two weeks, we're going to talk about something called congregational practices, um, something that I will say as a church family, so as a body of believers, unified, there are things that we will do as a church body that will draw us closer to God. But there's a quote that I love um, when I'm asked, why do we talk about spiritual practices? And it's, it's this one. Um, it says that the classical practices of spiritual life call us to move beyond the surface living and into the depths. And I'll just tell you that um, that may be a little hard to hear, but I will argue that I think all of us at some point uh, get caught in surface-level living when it comes to our faith. And so these conversations are going to pull us out of a surface-level understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and hopefully into a deeper understanding of who God is. So let me start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump on in. Father God, thank you for today. God, thanks for the worship that we've shared. Thanks for the presence um, of your spirit today. And I just pray a continued um, sense of of presence by your spirit as we we work through this and as we continue to worship. God, I just pray for, for our church family. Father, I pray for this discussion. I pray for my words that they be yours and not mine. Um, And that you just guide my thoughts and and help our, our conversation be rich and fruitful, and, and God, just help us to draw closer to you. 
Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in you because of your son, Jesus. And it's his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so when I talk about inward practices, there are probably a few that you immediately go to, and we're going to talk about those. But then there's going to be maybe one curveball that I'm going to throw in there, but I want to start with kind of something that as a church we have done a lot of together recently, um, and that's the practice of study. So um, if you've been at our church for, you know, the last six months, you'll know that we have done a lot of Bible class on something called grasping God's word. What, why is it important to read scripture fully? Scott's talked about the importance of becoming a student of scripture. And so I'm going to hit a little bit of that, um, that idea. But one of the things I want to make sure I do with any practice is I want to surround it with scripture. And so we're going to go to a couple of different places today to kind of demonstrate these practices and why they're important. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be up on the screen. We're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. It says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message of Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father couple of key points that I want to make here. One is Paul is writing a letter to a very diverse group of people. He's writing a letter to men and women. He is writing a letter to educated and uneducated Jews and Gentiles, free and slave. So this letter is being heard by an incredibly diverse group of people. And if you, if you look at chapter 3 as a whole, um, in most of your Bibles, chapter 3 is going to be titled, Living the New Life, which is kind of something I said a minute ago, right? That Paul is basically trying to tell these people that if you are going to follow Jesus, you are going to have to live a new life. And in verse 16, right, he says, let the message of Jesus fill your hearts. That's where I kind of want to focus on for a minute, is let the message of Jesus fill your hearts. And... And then I would ask, what does that look like for the message of Jesus to fill your hearts? Well, one, it means you have to read the message of Jesus. You have to listen to the message of Jesus. You have to, you have to allow the message of Jesus to invade your life. When you read before verse 16, Paul talks a lot about things like humility, mercy, kindness, and goodness. He talks about forgiveness and love. And I believe that if we're going to study, become students of Scripture, and let the message of Jesus fill our hearts, it means that those are going to be things that happen. So here's point one about study. The message of Jesus should never make you unkind. It should never make you unmerciful. It should never make you unloving. It should never make you ungraceful. So if, if we read Scripture fully, uh, the message of Jesus will, will only make us graceful and loving and kind and humble. 
And, and here's another point that I would like to make about Scripture is when I say study, I mean to study something. So you don't pick up this book and say, I've figured it all out, right? Like, I've, I've read my, my Bible cover to cover, and for many of you, you've probably read your Bible for many years, and that is amazing, and I commend that. But what, where there's danger is when you pick up the Bible and you say that I don't think this thing can teach me anymore. I think that's, at that point, if, if that's where you've, you've gotten to, then I think you've given up on understanding the heart of God. And so here's my challenge with study is when we talk about letting the message of Jesus fill our hearts, it means that you have to approach this with the desire to learn. In fact, um, there's a quote from a book that I've been kind of studying through um, as I prepare for this. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. It's a very popular book, and, and it talks about when you pick up the Bible and you go to study, what are, you, what are you trying to accomplish? And for a lot of us, I think we're trying to learn more. And here's a really cool quote about what it really means to study Scripture. It says, knowing God, not knowing more is the goal. So when you pick up your Bible and you read, and, and here's, here's, the, here's the kind of the practicality thing, is you, you have to pick up this Bible and read. Um, you, have to, you have to allow this book to guide you, but you also have to pick it up with the intent to, to understand and learn who God is deeper. And so I've, I've heard this um, from, from, from so many people about Scripture. Well, how do you do it? Because I've, the, the, the message is simple. The words are simple. But, but the message, the words may be easy to read, but, but how we live our life is, is, is the goal. And so as we talk about study, as you... And this is my challenge is you pick up your Bible and you read. Approach this with the heart of a student. Let this teach you something. And, and I'll also scare you a little bit. It, it can teach you something new, and it, it also may mean that what you understood about it 5, 10, 15 years ago may not be the same way you understand it now, and that's okay. That's, that is Okay. So to become a student of Scripture challenges us to let the message of Jesus fill our hearts. And that's the goal. So as you read Scripture, as we talk about these inward practices of study, I want to continue to challenge you to allow this book to fill your heart. And I firmly believe that when you do, the only thing that can happen is that you're going to become more loving, more graceful, more kind. So let's talk about the idea of how does the message of Jesus fill your heart? So how, how do you do that? You just, okay, you read it. Okay, I'm going to pick up my Bible, and I'm going to try to learn. What does that mean? And, and it's going to lead me into my next practice that's a little bit different for some of you probably, and it's the practice of meditation. So when I say meditation, most of you probably go to this, you know, and uh, that's, not, that's not what we're doing. Um, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Um, in fact, Eastern religions have made meditation a popular thing, and basically, if you follow kind of what otherworldly religions may tell you, that goal, the goal of an Eastern religious meditation is, is simply to empty your mind. That is the goal of meditation for so many people, is to completely empty your mind of everything. Um, not too hard for me, but... Um, 
that's the goal, right? And, and as Christians, we should, we should see meditation very differently. In fact, I would argue that Christian meditation is not the act of emptying your mind, but it's the act of filling your mind. And so when we talk about letting the message of Jesus fill our hearts, well, it means we've got we to gotta think about it. Um, we've got we've to spend time in it. We have to think about our lives, our day-to-day rhythms and routines, and challenge ourselves to think, how am I living into the, to the mission and the vision of God? There's another passage I'd like to read, kind of revolving around meditation. So if you turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read verse 8 through 9. It says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So again, Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, um, challenging them to see things a little differently, and, and he's telling them, here's what you think about. And when I was preparing this idea of meditation, I, I started to wonder if meditation is about filling your mind as Christians, what do we fill our mind with? I think for a lot of us, we fill our minds with a lot of things. Um, it can be really easy to fill our minds with everything but Jesus. And in a, in a world that often seems broken, I want to challenge you for a minute to think about what controls your thoughts in your mind. Uh, I think about, I tell our college students, our student leaders this, um, we, have, we have a great group of student leaders at RFC, and one of the things that we've always struggled with is just um, how, to, how to interact with people when you've had a bad day, uh, which I think everybody's going to struggle with that. And I was once told this piece of advice from somebody, you know, when you say you've had a bad day, sure, we all have bad days, but the question is, is did you have a bad moment and let that challenge, you know, change the rest of your day? Um, Because that's probably what happens. And and so meditation is the simple act of filling your mind with, with Jesus. Here's another point about meditation that I love that hopefully challenges the way you see everything. And it's a quote from A.W. Tozer. I love A.W. Tozer, and and he says this about meditation. A spiritual kingdom lies all about us, enclosing us, embracing us, all together within reach of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God himself is here waiting for our response to his presence. This eternal world will come alive to us the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. Here's what I want to say about this, is that I agree with what he's trying to get the point across, is that the kingdom of God is all around you. Um, I think about, like, the kingdom of God is in your spouse. The kingdom of God is the person sitting to the left and to the right of you. The kingdom of God is the people that you disagree with. The kingdom of God is the people you do agree with. The uh, The kingdom of God is in 
is in the people that you like and you dislike. The, the, the kingdom of God is when you step out of your house and you breathe in that nice oveny air of San Angelo. And we're like, why does this happen? That, that's still the kingdom of God. And Tozer is basically saying that there is a kingdom of God all around you, and yet we don't allow ourselves the time and the space to see it. Because we get caught in thinking about everything else but the beauty and the kingdom that is all around us. And so when we talk about meditation and we talk about letting the message of Jesus fill your lives, thinking about things that are good and admirable and, and, and holy, I think that that's where we begin is we start to ask ourselves, do we really see all of this as the kingdom of God? Or are we just kind of transactional people in this world going from one point to the other, just checking off this list? You know, I came to church on Sunday morning, so check. I, I went to Bible class, so check. I, um, I gave... I gave at church check. Like, if, if that is what the kingdom of God is, then I think we have a really poor understanding of what God has called us to. And so meditation would challenge you to fill your mind with, with the message of Jesus and the recognition that the kingdom of God is all around you. So finally, kind of tying into meditation and and study, there is one practice that we all know very well, which is the practice of prayer. Something that we've done, I don't know, five times, four times today already. And, and my, my challenge would be, when you pray, what are you doing? What does it mean to pray, really? For a lot of us, we've grown up in a church setting where we have been taught to pray. We know what it means to pray. We you know, we sit down, we close our eyes, and, you know, we say, dear God, so that's the start of the letter, and then we have a body paragraph that says, hey, can I get all this stuff? Can you fix all this? P.S., here's, thanks for all this, because I got to say thank you. Amen, signed Sam, up to heaven, and maybe we'll get a response in three to five business days. Like, that's, <laughs> if that's what prayer is, then I'm, I'm struggling to understand what the point is. So prayer is a much deeper practice that I would say should challenge the way you understand God completely. So open up your Bibles one more time to Luke chapter 11. This is kind of what I call the abridged version, the, the pocket edition of the Lord's Prayer. Starts in verse 1. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food that we need, and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, and don't let us yield into temptation. Uh, if you go back one more, I want to talk about a couple of really key moments in this passage. One is that this passage starts with Jesus praying. So when I think about the practices that we should do, Jesus spent a significant amount of his life in prayer. You know, this is my, my granddad always taught me, if Jesus says it or does it, you should probably do it. So let me challenge you, Jesus spends a lot of his time in prayer. How much do we spend in prayer? So that's key point number one. Jesus was actively participating in prayer. Number two is a disciple of Jesus, somebody who would have grown up knowing what it meant to pray, understanding why you should pray, 
probably have been praying a lot their entire life saw the quality and the quantity of the way Jesus prayed and said, I still don't know enough. So let me also challenge you for a minute to kind of go back to the beginning of study is it is okay to say that I have not got it figured out. In fact, we should probably all say that. And this disciple looked at what Jesus was doing. This disciple looked at how he was praying and said, I still have a lot to learn about what it means to pray. And, and I hope you understand that there is an incredible freedom in that philosophy. Um, it frees me up to recognize that I don't have to know it all. I, I don't have to have it figured all out. I don't have to do it perfectly. Any of these practices that we talk about, there's not like you, you achieve it and then you're done. So, so there's freedom in realizing that we're not going to get this right all the time. But there's freedom in also understanding that we have so much more that we can be doing and learning and practicing. And then if you just understand that what Jesus is praying hopefully it changes the way you see things, right? Because if you look at the prayer, it is so simple, right? God, may your name be kept holy. So just at the beginning of the prayer, may your name still be above all things. Something I think we should all pray more a lot is let God's name be the most important thing. And he goes on to say, may your kingdom come soon. This invitation into the kingdom of God. I love he says, give us today what we need. Don't give us any more. I mean, we'll worry about tomorrow when that comes up, but just, just help us get through this moment right now. And I think for a lot of us, we could, we could stand to pray a little bit more in the present. And then this incredible challenge for people to be forgiving because we also need to be forgiven. And finally, a prayer to not be led into temptation. The simple prayer that Jesus is saying here is so powerful, and yet it's incredibly hard. Because what this challenges us to do is just be present with God. In fact, this is my last quote. I'm sorry, I'm probably going to quote you guys out today. But one of, one of, the, one of the coolest quotes I read in this, in this study was, was this, that of all of the spiritual practices... Prayer is the most central because it ushers us in to a perpetual, perpetual community with God. And I would ask you, is that what your prayer is? Um, if, you, if you think about what prayer really means, um, it is not a form letter prayer that you just do. It's not just one of those things you check off the box, right? Prayer is an invitation for God to step into a community with us. So I want to challenge you as a church, as an individual, to think about these things as we move into some more conversations about some things moving forward, that, that these things are kind of foundational. And I'll just say that these things, if, 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 we, if we think these don't matter, then a lot of other things are not going to matter. So there's so much value in, in understanding why it's important to have, have an understanding of what prayer really means. It's important to continue to be led by Scripture. So here's, here's kind of my challenge for you as we, as we move into um, the last part of our service is, is simple, but, but I think important is let your prayers 
be an invitation for God to invade your life. Let your meditation remind you of the kingdom that is all around you and let the scriptures guide you into, into a deeper understanding of who God is and of his kindness, his mercy, his humility, and his love. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Father, I, I pray just for our church and for us as individuals as we talk through these disciplines and these practices that you would just draw us closer to you. Help us to, to know your heart more. And Father, for all of us as we read scripture, as we pray, as we meditate, I just pray that we draw closer to your son, to you. We're just filled with your spirit. Father, I pray for our church as we continue on this conversation over the next couple of weeks, that you would just guide, guide the conversation, help us to be challenged, to see things a little differently, and Father, continue to bless us in so many good ways. Again, thank you for your son and all that we have because of your sacrifice. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Um, one thing I would say about prayer is every week we have an invitation to pray. And I think for a lot of us, we get kind of sucked into like, this is just for like, if you're having a hard time. But this invitation is, again, prayer as an invitation for God to invade our space. And so there are going to be people around the room um, who are just there to pray. And prayer is not just an individual discipline or practice. It is a community and congregational practice just the same. So I want to invite you to do that right now.